presents Never Called Alone, the reflection by the Reverend Jean Randall Bodman, presented on Sunday, July 9th, 2023. Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Please pray with me. Holy One, breath of life, some of us come to you today breathless with joy and excitement. Some of us come with the breath pressed out of us by grief or worry. Together we come, seeking you in our midst. Speak through these few words of mine and speak in the meditation of all of our hearts. Renew us in your love and your life. Amen. Obviously, today's reading is one of my favorites that you have heard me pronounce many times. But I want to start by doing something that I rarely do in worship. I want to read to you the passage from Romans that was assigned in the lectionary. Now, when I say that I don't normally read Romans, or indeed most of Paul's letters, in worship, that doesn't mean that I literally don't read Paul. That would mean ignoring a hefty slice of the New Testament. I just think that reading Paul is something that is more satisfying and nourishing and less confusing if you do it in a Bible study or a discussion, and you can fight back and forth, because it requires that. Nevertheless, for today, I want us to hear these words that Paul wrote to the church at Rome. They're part of a long, somewhat torturous discussion, it is Paul, about the relationship of the Gentile converts to the law of Judaism. It's part of a dispute that's been happening between the small community of Jewish Jesus followers in Rome and the new non-Jewish Jesus followers who Paul instructs to become part of the community but without first converting to Judaism. That's a lot. In today's reading, he turns to the question of how do we know how to live rightly? He writes, I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that the good does not dwell within me, that is, in my flesh. For the desire to do the good lies close at hand, but not the ability. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, in my inmost self. But I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched person that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Now you know why I usually leave these for Bible study. <laughs> Let's leave aside for the moment the, the way that Paul locates weakness and susceptibility to sin in the flesh. Let's leave aside his dualism, as well as our preconceived idea that sin means rule-breaking. And listen instead to the desperation and humanity of the dilemma that Paul is experiencing and expressing and sharing with this new community. Listen to how Paul wonders how to understand how it is that he could both long to do good and find himself doing the opposite, find himself caught up in destructive behavior, in a behavior that feels like a force that he cannot control, even though he desires to do good. I have such sympathy for Paul. I think he is describing something that many of us can understand in our personal lives and our personal behavior. I suspect, or at least I hope, I'm not the only one who has found herself caught in an automatic response, a flash of anger or judgment that leaps to the front of the mind, unbidden, immediate, and sometimes spills right out of my mouth we find ourselves responding to minor provocations in exactly the way we've promised ourselves we will never do again. And yet, the judgment or the anger flashes up. Why do I do what I do not want to do? Anybody who has been in the throes of an addiction can also resonate with these words. I do the very thing I hate. Not because the substance in question, whether it's alcohol or sugar in my case, or anything else, is in itself morally wrong, but because that thing has taken on a force that creates a cage and a prison for the person who is in the middle of it. This can leave a person in shame, wondering just exactly who is in charge here inside my skin. Why have I done again what I know hurts me. How did I land myself back here in what Anne Lamott describes as the sheet metal loneliness and isolation of addiction? Where will rescue and relief come from? In recovery, relief comes from giving up the illusion of control, acknowledging powerlessness and turning to a higher power, turning to that higher power in the sheltering community of others who are on a similar journey. In Paul's words, wretched person that I am, who will rescue me from this death in life? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Stepping back from the personal and the immediate and from our own entanglements, we can also hear this text not as an I speaking, I do the very thing I hate, but as a we speaking. We as a culture do the very thing we hate. Although we see the good and long for it, it eludes us. I think about the cultural institutions that are in place that corporately involve us in the evil we do not will and do not want but feel powerless to stop. 
Just in the last few weeks, we have seen more mass shootings over the 4th of July weekend. We have seen anti-trans legislation in states across the US. We have seen a Supreme Court decision that undermines protections for the LGBTQ community. And we have seen yet another video of a white police officer hurling an unarmed black person to the ground, a woman who appears in the videos to be about my age. He hurls her to the ground and kneels on her neck and uses pepper spray directly in her face. I don't know what happened before the police got there. I don't know what it is like to be a police officer. I don't know the whole story. But I feel 100% sure that if I showed up wearing my white skin and my middle-class appearance, and I were suspected of stealing items from a Winco shelf, and was then accosted in the parking lot filming the arrest of my assumed accomplice on my phone, I believe 100% that I would not have ended up pepper sprayed and lying on the ground with a police officer's knee on my neck. We need police, but this system is out of hand, producing results that none of us want. But it feels overwhelming to change it. We end up part of and complicit in institutions and structures that do the very thing we hate. Not just policing, but courts and state legislatures and schools and even churches. It is wearying and anxiety producing. And we wonder where will relief come from? How will we find our way to the good we see and long for? Come to me, Jesus said, I will give you rest. Jesus was speaking in this passage about the way John the Baptist had been rejected and accused of having a demon for his extreme asceticism, for fasting too much. And the way, and Jesus spoke about the way he himself was rejected, called a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of sinners because he lacked asceticism, because he liked a good party too much. In the face of all this rejection and misunderstanding, Jesus thanks God for the little ones who had understood his ministry, who had been humble and open to it. And he says to them, come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. My yoke is kind and good, and my burden is small. In the work of life, our individual lives, finding and staying on the path of goodness, we are not alone. We are yoked together with Christ, who is pulling with us. As a community in the work of justice, we are not alone. We are yoked to one another in the body of Christ, and the whole body is yoked to Christ. Now, a yoke is a tool that spreads the weight evenly between a team of animals who are pulling forward. It is not a punishment. A good yoke is shaped to the particular animals so that it sits as lightly as possible on their shoulders, enabling each one to pull forward with their strength as smoothly as possible so that they can work in tandem. Or so I've read. 
I've witnessed it once from across a field when I visited an Amish farm as a kid, but it's not something I have a direct experience of. It resonates, but only so much. But we have all been part of, we are right now part of, a community where the work is shared so that all may rest and so that everyone's effort is effective and everyone gets a chance to pause and breathe. During my college years, I lived at home with my parents for several summers. I had a job about 10 miles from our house, and on some days I got a ride from a coworker. But most days, I had a nice bike ride back and forth. Well, it was nice on the way to work in the freshness of the morning. But after a long day of supervising the pool at a camp for disabled, developmentally disabled adults, which was intense work, um, in the heat and humidity of a Philadelphia summer, those 10 miles on the way home felt like 100. There was one particularly steamy day when I was still about seven miles from home and I had stopped at a red light and suddenly I was surrounded by the whole of the University of Pennsylvania men's cycling team. They were out for a training ride and I have to say this was rather intimidating. <laughs> they were big and strong and there were a lot of them and there was only one of me. It was a long light and one of them took pity on me. And after asking about the route I was headed, he said, jump in. I had no idea what he was talking about. So he said, just keep your front tire as close to my back tire as you can without crossing. Don't let them touch, don't come in front of it. We'll get you home in no time. I have never before or since had such a fabulous ride. I found myself practically pulled along drafting physically in the pocket of low pressure behind the other riders, and pulled along too by the cheerful confidence and the energy and the camaraderie of the group, watching as one after another they would flash forward and take the lead and bear the brunt of the wind. It was phenomenal. <laughs> it remains for me an image of life in the kingdom of God, where everyone moves forward and leads the way, and everyone drifts to the back and rests and moves with the group, still moving forward. We are called to the work of God's realm, but we are never called alone. We are called to the works of justice and mercy, but we are never called alone. And we are also called to rest when we are weary. Each one of us is reminded it's not just you, and it's not just me that may be weary. We all get weary. And your weariness is not a sign of failure. Neither is your weariness a sign that you need to double down and work harder, that you need to get more organized and put some steps in place, that you need to attend to your self-care in these rigid... No, it is not a sign to do more. Weariness is just a reality of the world when we have a vision of better things and a better way. When we find ourselves trapped by our own unskillful doing and by the systems and institutions we've inherited. Come, Jesus says, I will give you rest. Pause with me. Breathe with me. Breathe deeply in and out.
Put down that heavy burden of shame and guilt and worry that you have been carrying everywhere with you. Lay it on the good green earth and breathe in and out. Sit here in gentleness and quiet in the shelter of this community and breathe in and out. Ease that backpack of righteous indignation, fear, and outrage off your aching shoulders. I see the world clearly. You can stand down from your hypervigilance. Breathe in and out. See the beauty and goodness and light that is also always here. Breathe in and out and let your soul rest. When we go out, we will look out at the world in all its beauty and brutality together, and we will move forward, yoked together in gentleness, so that the work of love, the work of justice, is a burden filled with light. Breathe in, breathe out. Let your rested soul grow strong and bright. Amen.